I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Welcome back to Frank Film Club, the club for lovers and makers of film. I'm Maisie Williams. I am an actor and producer. I'm Lowry Roberts and I'm a filmmaker and producer. Hello, I'm Hannah Williams and I am a casting director. And welcome to our club. Take one. Hello everyone and welcome back to Frank Film Club. Uh, today we are going to be talking about the comedy thriller called Fresh, which came out this year on Disney+. Plus. It was uh, directed by Mimi Cave and it's her directorial debut. But before we get into all of that, how you guys been? Been good, thanks. Yeah, it was good to see you both on the weekend. <gasps> it was... Yeah, that was so lovely. Really good. I feel a bit tired. I've been doing events with you <laughs> both. <laughs> and um, yeah, just uh, really enjoying being in the room with some filmmakers. We, we were at Girls in Film Festival this weekend and we had a chat with some wonderful women about filmmaking. And then we had a, a screening at the Mondrian Hotel Um and it's just been really lovely to do physical things in person. Like, it's not just us sat here in our offices. <laughs> yeah, it's been a bit mad. Although I, when we finished work on Monday, I thought it was Friday. Yeah. <laughs> so this week, as much as it's been great, it's also been really long. I feel like there's something about a Friday feeling in the middle of the week that like feels like it, you should, like your heart should plummet afterwards. But then you're like, maybe it's good that I have a Friday feeling right now. As long as you don't have a dip afterwards, if you can just ride that high or just appreciate the high for what it is and then just go back to a normal level. But I think the problem is when you have a little dip. Well, I'm glad that you guys uh, have been well. And I'm glad that we could come and chat about our final uh, film of the series, Fresh. Um, so for everyone listening, uh, the film came out this year, as I said, on Disney+, Plus, so you can watch it there. Um, it stars Daisy Edgar-Jones and Sebastian Stan, uh, and it follows Daisy's character, Noah, as she navigates online dating um, and encounters this strange man, Steve. And the rest is just a tumbling, gory mess <laughs> wait that makes it sound bad it's not bad it's amazing um <laughs> it was written by lauren khan uh and it premiered this year at sundance film festival so what did you guys think well me and Nari watched this one together which is a treat and we watched it after the girls in film talk and by that point, we were really tired. And actually, I was like, oh, gosh, I just kind of want to go to bed. But I was so glad that we did not. And we watched the film. I thought it was so entertaining. I really enjoyed it. I didn't know anything about it before we watched it. And I think that was um, a good thing, actually, because on on face value, I don't think this would be something I'd be interested in. But um, I thought it was a really, really enjoyable watch. 
Yeah, I totally agree. Was equally tired and not really in the mood for a film. But as soon as it was on, I was hooked and I was like leaning my face in to get a better look, which sometimes actually was not a good idea. And we'll get to that later. (laughs) I actually really love this film. I thought it was brilliant and so stylish. Um, The music in it was great. The acting is incredible. And I'm really excited to speak to Daisy later. Well, I'm glad that you both really enjoyed it. I came, I discovered this film through seeing uh, stills and clips from it online and just like could not get the visual identity out of my head. I just thought it was so enticing. Um, And I roughly knew the premise. I knew that there was like a little bit of kind of cannibalism. Um, And so I knew it would be kind of like a a thriller horror and that's obviously something that I really really love um and then when I watched it I think because I had this expectation perhaps um uh I I maybe didn't love it as much as I wanted to but I loved all of the parts of it that I thought I was going to you know from the outside kind of but there was nothing more that I kind of like found in there um but I guess, like, I would be interested to know from you guys, like, what are your favorite parts? Then we've got, like, you know, this story kind of surrounding online dating around, like, these metaphors for toxic relationships. But then you also have these incredible friendships um, that kind of, like, are sprinkled throughout. So, yeah, what what did you enjoy about it? I had no expectations of what this was going to be. And so I was, like, really pleasantly surprised. And especially, I think, because maybe it was on Disney as well. I was like, I don't know what the tone of this is going to be. Um, and then you've got that on the on the opposite side. My favorite parts were definitely um, about date culture because, yeah, know it. Um, and um, and yeah, the friendships and just um, just little little things, little details in the friendship that I really liked. Um, and felt really real to me, like a really good representation of what it's like to be really close to someone, I think. So um, yeah, those are my favorite parts, I think. Yeah, I agree. I, I I understand. I feel like I've had that before, Maze, when you have such high hopes for a film that like anything that happens with the film is like never going to meet your expectations. So I'm really glad that I had no idea what this film was before watching it. Um. And like, and now I'm like, kind of want to encourage all listeners to like, stop listening and go watch it and then come and listen. (laughs) Stop listening to this podcast. Stop listening. (laughs) It's interesting though, isn't it? I think like some, you know, we do these massive press tours now and like everything needs to be on social media. It needs to be on, you know, mainstream news channels. It needs to be like on uh, YouTube, like, you know, all kinds of buzz around something. Um, And you know, we've both, we've all had it in other films where we know nothing about it before we go into it. And I, I think sometimes that expectation, it's, it can be kind of damaging to your experience of watching something, but it can also go the other way. It's just, yeah, it really depends on your own taste and, and such. Well, it's funny because with the trailer for this, basically after watching it, I was trying to explain it to Tamara, who we work with and suddenly realized, wait, how much am I meant to be saying? Like how much did the trailer give away like what has their marketing strategy uh, been and actually in the trailer that I watched they don't give any of that away and it only seems like it's about dating and then they don't give any of the meat stuff away and so I found that really interesting that they 
decided not to do that, which is probably a good thing. Um, but yeah, it's funny how you have to... That That's like a, the bulk of the film. I haven't even seen the trailer. So so what was your expectation of it, Maze? Well, what it is, you know the bit where they're dancing together? That has gone viral on TikTok and it feels really good to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of the comments always say, yeah, everyone's freaking out about this dancing scene, but what about what happens just before it slash just after it? And so for me, I don't know how I knew. And then when I was watching it, I was like, oh man, that's, that's, like, that's kind of messed up. Um, but also something that I thought before I watched it, you know, there's that piece of artwork that he lifts up to reveal like belongings of his victims. I thought that that piece of artwork was made of human skin. So did I. But I don't know where I got that from. Is that, I think it probably is insinuated that it's supposed to be, or maybe it's just our twisted minds. I think it's probably our twisted minds. Yeah. But I, <laughs> but it did like when when you first see that painting, you it does make you feel like oh my god, shit is has gone on with that painting. But I actually don't think that it was human skin in the end. It was more just what was behind it. She just lingers a little bit too long on like one of the strokes, and I think it was meant to feel suggestive. So I guess it's kind of marketed in a similar way to like Promising Young Woman or something like that, where you, I guess you kind of see what's happening in that, but it's like you don't really see the full extent of it in their marketing. So I want to get into this friendship because to me, it felt a little bit like Molly's sole purpose in life and her only ambition is to know where her friend has gone which I guess is all consuming in a way but I didn't feel like there was much more than that um and yeah I think that it's a lovely friendship of course but it 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 did um with, with all of the leading characters being white and all of the supporting characters being uh like people of color um it felt like there needed to be a little bit more character development for those people because it just felt a little bit tokened them in a way yeah you don't learn anything about molly or her ex-boyfriend at all um i'm when i like when i say about her friendship i think it's like performance-based things like the, the the silly voices that they do with each other the way they say goodbye on the phone, small note, um, and like that, that felt a lot more realistic to like how I speak with my friends. Um, but no, you're right. There, there were, there's not, too, we don't know anything about Molly and we don't know anything about, um, is it Paul uh, that plays the ex-boyfriend? I suppose Steve only brings in women with no family and yet he does bring in Molly. And I know that's because like she's, she's gone out to try find him but then really well wouldn't her family and her friends then try to find her and I know I know the boyfriend came so yeah completely get that yeah and I think like something that was just like flawless throughout this were the performances and I think that everyone you know just I'm really looking forward to chatting with Daisy actually about you know how they collaborated as a cast because I think that the performances are really really strong but maybe it's just a couple of little cues around the, like, you know, the writing or the story development or the character development. Um, but I think, you know, the 
what Jojo did with what she was given was like, you know. Yeah, for sure. I think that's like a really bigger conversation about casting in general as well. It's like really there there are not that many key cast here. And where do we place certain actors to make sure that we are creating a representative cast of, you know, what the world looks like? And I think sometimes it's really difficult um, and, and people get nervous about casting um, actors of um, any ethnicity in certain roles and what the con- connotations of what that are going to be and like what that says w- more widely about what they're creating. But I think what you're saying is like, well, that is the answer that the characters are developed in different ways more so. So it doesn't feel tokenistic and it doesn't feel like things have just been put in and there's no representation of what that person is actually like and actually their characteristic or you know part of them being there might be a, a racial thing right um mm-hmm. it's really interesting and I, I i come like everything i work on it's always a question um that we need to make sure that we're we're being mindful of because you know for mimi cave a uh, white director to make Noah a woman of color or to make Steve a man of color, like what does that say? To make them both people of color, what does that say? Like, I don't know if that is really correct, but yeah, I think, you know, the development. I wonder if if she did want to cast either of them as people of color, but for like financing reasons couldn't because there's like there's not as many a like big actors who are people of color and that's just like the horrific part of our industry but if it was the first like option that there's a nervousness around the connotation that 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 it brings if those two lead characters are non-white then then i think we do need to get uncomfortable in that nervousness and have real conversations about it because like I'm I'm working on something at the moment and it's the same thing, you know, with funding, who are we going to have attached that's going to then market this project in, in the way that the, you know, studio needs it to be, you know, marketed. Um, and is this, it, but it's, you know, let, let's just, let's just do it. <laughs> I mean, that's not a great, I like response to that, but like, let's just do it. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting what you were saying, Larry, about there not being so many actors who are of, like, a certain celebrity that are people of colour because it just, you know, the opportunities are smaller. But we've recently had the news that Shooty has been cast as the new Doctor. And I actually haven't really seen Sex Education, but, like, he is a supporting role and he, like, assists the lead character who's a white man and, like... But it's now actually opened this like incredible door for him. So I think like it does all count, like it is all important. Um, uh, But yeah, it's like, it's so nice to see opportunities like that where it really does kind of like break through something that's just been like set in its ways for a long time. Totally. And I actually think some of the best scenes in the last series are where we go 
with him to where his family is from when we learn more about that character. And that was directed by Rania Raro Matfumo. She's an incredible director. She just was nominated for Bre- Breakthrough at BAFTA Awards. But 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 like this, like I, I want to see that. And that got really incredible feedback that we went and saw like his environment and his like upbringing and heritage and all that stuff on the screen. So yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we're on the way. We're on track to making it happen. Because mm, I want to see what Jojo does next because I think she was incredible. So have you guys got any awful online dating stories? Oh my God, I love it. This is why I'm on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I haven't been on any online dates. I'm really boring. <laughs> have you, Mose? No, I've never done it. I don't know that you could. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, sorry, I forgot. <laughs> I've done a lot of catfishing. Um, <laughs> no, I, 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 my friend Bill making another feature. Uh, he was on Bumble for a bit, and I loved swiping for him. But then I was like, "What does this say about me?" I was just like, "Yeah, no, no, yeah, 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 no, no, no." <laughs> it was like kind of like it's kind of messed up in a way, but it was like it brought me a lot of endorphins. <laughs> yeah, no, the endorphins are real. Um, I'll just briefly tell tell a story. So uh, I went on a date with this guy. It was a first date. And um, we went for a drink. And anyway, I-, I could just tell it wasn't going right. He started singing in my face at one point, And I was like, okay, this is really embarrassing. Like he wanted to be a singer sort of thing. Um, then he was like, oh, there's a place across the road. We should go there. I walk in. He's like, hey, man, hey, man. Like giving everyone high fives and all. And I'm just like, okay. Anyway, it's an open mic night. He proceeds to get up on stage and sing four songs. It was like it was like he was doing a performance. And then he came to me at the end and I was just sat there in the back, like recording, like sending to my friends, like, what is going on? I'd not long moved to London as well, so it just was just like this is the vibe here. And um he came back and he said, You weren't dancing. And I was like, Oh mate. <laughs> oh my god. How many girls have we done that to? Wasn't for me. <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> it's so fun. But I love I love that element and like I've got some wicked stories from my friends as well and I live for it. And now we're all over the age of doing that. I miss it terribly. Mm-hmm. I love the stories. So interesting that they didn't meet online and I wondered if like it was also trying to say that like meeting people in person isn't actually that good a thing nowadays as well because you might get chopped up. Um, (laughs) but I was like I wonder if it was trying to say anything like that maybe it was like um, that was lulling her into a false sense of security because she didn't meet him online and that was his tactic yeah yeah you're you're not safe (laughs) never safe (laughs) but when so when they first had their first date I really loved their acting Daisy's in particular in the way that they were like, when they were talking, her language really really changed to how it was in the rest of the film. And she was like, really like encouraging, you know how you like kind of go to finish someone's sentence and you're like, it's like really encouraging conversation um, and like really try hard conversation. I thought they did that so well. And like, I was finding it kind of cringe, but was also like, oh my God, I just know this conversation so well. Um, And I really loved that. I thought that was really good. 
It's true. It's the sort of thing like when you watch it and you do kind of get butterflies and it's like, oh, that's so annoying because like this is so stupid. But it's like the sort of thing that just kind of works. And like even if it's just fleeting and you walk away and like that's it, like you will think about, you know, that interaction for the rest of the evening or like whatever. When someone's just like slicked like that and like self-deprecating but also like charming and like but so do you think then if you'd have gone on that date like do you think you would have been won over I would yeah definitely I mean Sebastian <laughs> Sebastian Stan yeah 100% would you well I wouldn't know because I'm, I'm in a relationship so uh Sure, sure. Sorry about that. No. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, that was a test. Bloody hell. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now, it's time for In, In the, the Club. Club. Welcome back to In The Club, the portion of the show where we get to chat with someone from the movie that we are discussing. And today we are really lucky to be joined by the incredible Daisy Edgar-Jones, who is a BAFTA and Golden Globe nominated actress. She starred as Marianne in the television adaptation of Normal People and has since carved out a career in film, television and theatre. Fresh premiered at Sundance earlier this year and we are so lucky to have her with us. So Daisy, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, we're so pleased to have you. Um, we were just saying the last time we saw each other was at the Met Gala. How was it? How did you find it? It's a bit bonkers. It was, it was, it was totally bonkers and I think, I think because it was like so unbelievable to me that I was there I sort of felt like I slightly dissociated for the whole experience. I was like not really in my body. I was like watching watching myself from afar. It was just it was just mad. How did you find it? I mean, yes, equally surreal. It's like the Met Gala itself is so bizarre that you just like get through it. And then the after parties end up being kind of fun. And I wanted to meet up with you, but I don't know which one you went to. Whereabouts did you go? We sort of like we we kind of went to all of them. Like we would we would go at the like tail end of one and then like run to the other and that would be finishing. It was like chasing the best night. We ended up at the the box at the end of the night and that was really fun. <gasps> oh, that sounds like fun. I was actually on my way to the box and then I realized that my flight was taking off very soon and so I had to go and get my suitcase and go straight to the airport and everyone on the flight was just passed out with like their hair and makeup still on <laughs> like sleeping <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> so that sounds like a lot of fun um 
And this past year has been, or over a year, has been so incredible for you. And we have just loved watching your career go from strength to strength. But I wonder, like, how how have you found it? What have you learned about yourself? What have you learned about this industry? It really has been a, a really sort of, um, in like, a year of growth for me in, in the sense that you know, normal people that came out obviously during the during the pandemic, and and that was my first sort of lead part in anything, and and um and it was so surreal the experience of that coming out because you know I was kind of being told that it was that it was doing well and and that it was in some way life changing, but I had no sort of um actual real life experience of that other than sitting on Zoom the whole time, and and so then to then sort of go away last year and 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 work job to job, and it you know it was it was it was an amazing experience, and I was kind of like really wanting to push push myself and, and work out kind of like yeah what what cho- what kind of actor I wanted to be and what choices I wanted to make and and um and also whether I could kind of do anything different you know I mean I'd never had a chance to stretch myself the way I did with normal people so it was again a kind of new learning experience to stretch myself in different ways love it um I really want to know about your process for accents because I think when normal people came out everyone including me was so shocked that you weren't Irish and obviously that your your accents are flawless basically so I just has that always been something that you've had a good ear for or do you have a really good coach that you always work with yeah well my my, I have a lot of accents in my house I grew up with my mum's Northern Irish and my dad's Scottish and I lived with my granddad for a very long time he had a very strong Northern Irish accent so we all like speak in accents to like in the house I grew up in North London um and my accent's very neutral but I but I found it very interesting watching like my friends from primary school go like their accents became like a particular type of North London accent and I and, and it's funny I really realized that accents are so um not just to, like in the music of the voice but really in a physicality like there's a certain physicality to a particular North London accent that I know so well. And, and I, I found that very interesting. And especially with the Irish, there's a humour and like a rhythm to it that's very specific to an, to an Irish sound. And same with like an American confidence. There's an inherent confidence to an American voice that's just so different to the British, which is so naturally self-conscious <laughs> or sarcastic and like inward. So, um, yeah, I found I, I, I just have to sort of spend a lot of time with, with people who have that accent and then like pick it up yeah yeah and I feel like going on to fresh has been a complete tonal shift from anything that we have kind of seen you do before you came to this project before Sebastian and I saw that he attached himself once he knew that you were attached which is always I think incredible Um, but what was it that initially drew you to this project my agent sent me fresh and they didn't really tell me much about it they were just like a slight warning. <laughs> it, it, like it's a little graphic, and I was like, I wonder, wonder what it's about. But like, I just couldn't believe what, sort of what I was reading because every time I thought I knew where it was going, it went like somewhere even more surreal and absurd. And I, and I loved it too because they'd they'd written a really brilliant sort of um, Lauren, our writer, had written um, great '80s like ballads throughout. And I'm a big fan of '80s music, and she wrote like. One of the first songs that she wrote in was Gloria. I don't know if you know that song. It's like, Gloria. And he's like chopping up a a human being. And I was like, what the frig is this? And I just, I found it really um, funny, but also um, it was prefaced with sort of that it was going to be a social thriller. So I was like, okay, it's it's got something deeper to say. And, um, you know, I I really found like, um, especially certain scenes were sort of discussing like, 
the commodification of, of women's bodies and also also just the female experience of like dating and and how and how and the risk involved with that and I just thought it was it was really cool so um so yeah I kind of fell in love with it when I read it yeah it's it's such an incredible film we, I I watched it with Hannah we watched it together and oh, what, no way. yeah it, oh it was so good it was just as you say when you're watching it it's like you think it's going one way and then you're like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> what has just happened um yeah so when you came on to the project or like did you get any input on the script or was it pretty much that was it and then you shot it It, it's a tricky it's a tricky story because you you sort of um it does go to such an absurd place that you actually whenever you can have to really try and root it in truth and so you know it was finding the right scenes to do that and um and Mimi our director she's a first-time filmmaker and, and had previously sort of worked in music videos and so visually she had such a kind of um idea of the story and and, and really allowed us to, Sebastian and I and, and Jojo as well, who played Molly and everyone really, um, she cast kind of a lot of, like Jojo is a stand-up comedian and like she she cast a lot of actors who are really sort of um, comfortable in, in improv. So she really allowed us to to be free with the script, which was so much fun. I mean, kind of scary because I'd learned the accent with those lines. So I was like, oh, I don't know if I can, if I can like riff in that way. But, um, but she really allowed us to be free and we worked a lot on the script and, and had a lot of improv. A lot of improv then with some of the scenes, which is really interesting to know. I didn't didn't know that. And um, it, yeah, it really shows. It feels very fluid. And, and the the relationships that you have, especially with uh, with Jojo and um, her character is um, just so lovely. That's a note that we, that we spoke about quite a bit when we were watching it. Did you have much rehearsal time then? Because you shot in Canada for six weeks, right? we were actually all had to quarantine for two weeks before we started filming so we were all like alone in a hotel room in Vancouver just with this script <laughs> which is a bit on, of an odd experience Jojo and I did some boxing rehearsal which I'm sure you can tell when you watch those scenes so good at that but yeah we we had a bit of rehearsal um and then sort of throughout because it was such a fast shoot like Sebastian and I would spend a lot of time on the weekends like working on scenes ahead of the week because when it came to the day like we had really complicated camera moves and things and we didn't really have a lot of time so that was really nice so we were kind of constantly rehearsing as we went it's funny with sets like the camera department the sound department there's a real sort of sense of like a team but I sometimes find with like acting it feels like we're all there's no acting department which is strange to me like there should be and uh, there should be a sort of sense of like unified like we're a group here getting through this together and so I found that really cool of like okay well we don't have time on set so let's make time for ourselves and we'll we'll work it out when we can um, and we'll really be a unit and that was really helpful. Yeah I imagine it, it can get quite lonely sometimes I think everyone can go off and do their own preparation or their own you know um, but it's so nice that you were able to do that. And I think it really does come across in the film. Um, uh, when you were creating Noah, you mentioned sort of being in isolation and then some boxing. I mean, we have to get into the stunt fight at the end because it's just <laughs> incredible. But um, what sort of things do you, what tools do you use to like get in and out of character? Like I'm sure there were days on set that were a lot of fun, but days that were also quite you know, complex emotionally. Um, so do you have any kind of techniques that you like like to use? I, I can't stay in a moment too long. So so I like to be like really silly, silly before <laughs> before I like and take take as much sort of time to have levity during the filming day as possible. So like playing music in the trailer and stuff like that. Um I find it far easier to sort of 
do things in short bursts, like go into that scene for that burst of time and then come right out of it. And this was nice because actually often, especially in the first half of the film, you know, you can sort of glide quite seamlessly from like being silly into the scenes because they have that lightness to them. But then, you know, but also being respectful of like other people's processes if they need to have their space. And also like having a separation of accent really helps me. I, I much prefer acting in an accent. I, I really hate acting in my own voice because I feel embarrassed, really embarrassed <laughs> when I'm like doing the scenes in my in my own voice. So um, so that was helpful of like dropping into someone different because her voice was so different to mine. I relate to that a lot. I love doing accents in things. I think for that same reason. I hate my own voice. <laughs> so um, starting a podcast. <laughs> um, kind of following on from that then, because obviously like you think it's just like a fun rom-com and then turns into like this gory revenge horror. Um, but how did that shift work with you? Because obviously like carrying the same character and being true to that same character in those two very different worlds that must be quite a challenge we were lucky because we filmed the first half first so we had like two weeks of of just having fun and then we filmed the end like in the woods that was a week of night shoots and then we filmed all the house stuff so we had like this big chunk of the story missing which was the middle of it and and i think the middle was the most challenging thing to get right because and that was something we we had lots of conversations about and like Sebastian and I would talk a lot about because you have to believe believe that Sebastian like Sebastian's character Steve believes Noah like and trying to like plot those details of how she manipulates him in a really subtle way that doesn't was really tricky so we we worked on and that changed quite a lot speaking then about uh how you and Sebastian sort of discovered that and the tone of of that manipulation we we have seen a little bit of criticism I mean, it's always the way, but um, of Noah's decision to go along, you know, go away for the for the weekend. Um, and I just wonder about what sort of discussions you were having with Mimi and the writer, maybe, about um, intentions and how those are going to be read in the film and what you think about it as well, because, yeah, we have thoughts. <laughs> I noticed that too, and I thought that was so interesting. And I, I mean, when, when, I, when I met with Mimi, before when we when we were talking about the script, I was like, okay, so you, it's a social thriller. Like, what 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 does what does that mean? So, so what are the deeper messages of this film? Which which you know, I I had my ideas and 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 we talked a lot about. I don't know if you've ever read um, Women Who Run with the Wolves. I don't know if you know that book. It's a it's sort of all about female instinct and about how like the wild in us that like has these really acute senses, like how somebody can say hey, how are you in a bar? And you can feel really comfortable and someone can say, hey, how are you in a bar? And for some reason you feel really like creeped out and what, what that is and how so often we like have that instinct or that little tingle and we and we out of politeness or out of wanting to be amiable, ignore it and push it away. When I read it, like this idea of like dating, how we, we, we're trying to navigate that feeling and, and with Steve, how is there a sense that Noah has a little bit of that, but she's also like so so wanting to just push it down and be like no it's fine and 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 you know i mean he's a master manipulator and he's he's funny he's like very self-deprecating like he does he talks about how he's a doctor like he 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 puts all these little um you know pointers in her mind that make her go okay he's safe and she's gone back with him and nothing's happened and so you know i kind of wanted to plot that like there were little moments of like hesitation or like when she first gets in the car but she's like, no, it's fine. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna let myself be scared. And 
you know, it's just funny that people sort of judge her for going back with him instead of <laughs> judging him for for being a cannibal, <laughs> which isn't great, you know. <laughs> Whenever there's, you know, whenever there's a real case like this or, you know, a, a picture which like, you know, depicts this sort of scenario, we're always quick to throw out advice for women and what women need to do. Um, and it's always just so tone deaf because none of it really works. And if the person that you're like, you know, interacting with is completely disingenuous and like you can't trust anything she did everything she could she texted her friend um which ultimately saved her life um and it's like that's the best advice that we have like what what more yeah um on a bit of a lighter note um the fight scene we we talk about this a lot and we watch a lot of um films with big fight sequences or like shooting or like whatever and like there's a piece of that that just makes me kind of switch off but like watching these three women take down steve was like I was like, I get it. I love this. This is incredible. Um, what was that like to choreograph and also to, you know, to shoot? That was a really fun day of filming because what what I loved about, about it, it was it's so truthfully scrappy. Like, it's so messy. They're not going to be very good at, like, taking down this fully grown man, but the fact that they just, like, it's, like, that survival thing. And, and obviously Sebastian has, like, had huge amounts of experience in action because he is in the Marvel verse. So he, um, we had, like, a, a sort of stunt day and he was really good at sort of, like, suggesting things and gui- and guiding things. and, and uh, But it was all about just making it as messy and believable as possible. Like, you know, okay, there's a knife there, she'd grab it. Like, you just use anything you could, you know, and, and it not look at all choreographed in that way. So, yeah, it was just hilarious. Like, when when Penny, like, drops out of the, um, of the like, food shoot, and she, like, it just really makes me, <laughs> makes me laugh every time I watch it. Well, I was just going to say, we've spoken a bit about the, the social message of it, and there's so many um, lines in there and moments like the keys in the hand and... Um, give us a smile at the end. I was like, God, that is such a good uh, catchphrase for the film. But um, what would you like people to take away from the film? There's so much that you can sort of take from it. And I, I feel like everyone's experience of it will be very different. Like people will watch it and just be very entertained and not even get anything deeper. But I think I think the thing that, one of the things I'm most proud of is that female friendship. And, you know, we so often put so much like um, weight in film and TV on, on romantic partnership but actually like the like fierce love of a best friend is so is so beautiful to to experience and will last your lifetime if it's if it's true but also to to watch on screen so I think that that friendship is one I'm really proud of and I, I want to see like especially female friendships I think there's something very unique about about them so just women like helping other women and not and not judging them and not judging them for going with you know a bloke somewhere like just women just helping other and supporting other women I think is really important to see more of on screen well something we really loved me and Larry when we're watching it is that the ex-boyfriend doesn't save the day yes I know yeah because it definitely felt like it was going that way you know and I kind of also did really like him but then love that he just fucked off <laughs> that he's just like nah like absolutely <laughs> yeah. not I know because that's also like probably really truthful like probably yeah. what would happen <laughs> you hear a gunshot and you're like no I shouldn't that's not worth it 
Before you go, we'd love to chat a little bit about Crawdads. We are just obsessed with the trailer um, and you're going to be playing uh, Kaya in the screen adaptation. Um, For anyone who is listening who may or may not have read the book, what can you tell us about this film? Uh, Where the Crawdads Sing is... um is a story about a young girl who sort of survives on her own in the marsh in North Carolina in the 50s, I think it's that, um, against all odds. And it's sort of sort of a story about resilience. And, and she's on trial for the murder of uh, a, a young man who lives in the town. It was interesting doing an adaptation that's a studio film, like a studio, because normal people felt like an indie. It was for TV, but it felt very much like Lenny is an indie director you know that's where he started and it felt very much that way like um so so doing an adaptation for a studio film felt very different and like the scope and the scale of it was one that I've never experienced um you know and I I love I'm very fascinated by camera and 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 and, and choice of 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 sort of lens and, and angle and 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 it was interesting you know I've never worked with something that had so many like rigs and cranes and like big 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 scopic shots and I, I guess because the camera almost I feel like flies through the film like a bird, like, and, and that makes sense for the story. So, but yeah, I found that very, um, very interesting just being on something of that scale. I was like, oh, bloody hell. <laughs> that was an interesting experience. So we've seen you in like very different characters now. What other characters are you now interested in, in exploring? I, I think I'd like to, next to play like a real character. Like I'd love to play a Steve. Like I'd love to play someone who, you know, is a real character. Like they, they are, I've done a lot of like realism in a way and I liked the absurdist and the dark humour of Fresh and I got to do a bit of that. But yes, yeah, someone who's just larger than life and like a real character would be very fun. Yeah, it's, um, it's so interesting to hear about your process and we've loved having you join us to chat about fresh and perhaps we'll have you back to chat about crawl dads in uh the next series um because it's yeah you've um so so wonderful to hear you chat thank you and next time we'll we'll actually meet up at, at a party somewhere and have a bop all of us which would be fun <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> yes thank you so much thank you so what were your final thoughts I really found merit in watching a film that is just pure entertainment. And I feel like this, for me, was what it was, especially because of how tired I was and, the you know, it just was, yeah, entertainment. And this conversation has really made me think a lot more about the choices that were made in the film and... um I've really enjoyed speaking a lot about casting and I've really enjoyed speaking with Daisy and I think she is incredible, incredible actress. Love her even more now. Yeah, I also really love speaking with Daisy. I really love this film and I'm really, I want to watch it again and I'm so shocked that I loved a horror. Yeah. Because that's surprising. Um, But I, but I, I, I mean, I think it's just, I just can't deal with spooks, but this isn't a spooks film. The, yeah, this chat has, these chats have been really, really good. And I feel like I am now questioning parts of it, but I still fully love it and actually really can't wait to see what Mimi Cave does next and Daisy too. Yeah, I completely agree. So wonderful to be able to hear you guys chat about it, to be able to speak with Daisy. It definitely feels like a rewatchable film and we don't get many of those on the podcast. So um, for that reason, yeah, I I... I'm very pleased that we got to do this. 
And for our final episode. What a way to finish. Oh, I know. Sad. I'm very sad. Mm. We'll be back very soon. We will, yeah. We'll we'll take a little bit of time, but if you guys have any suggestions for the films that you want to see or the guests that you want us to chat with, then please send us an email, filmclub at rap.world or shoot us a message on Instagram at Frank Film Club, and we'd be more than happy to consider it for our fourth series. <laughs> thank you so much, both of you. I've loved doing this series. Me too. And thank you to Frankie, who edits our podcast. Thank yeah. you to Tamara, who works with us and helps book all our lovely guests. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. This podcast was presented by Wrapped. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas... You will be timed. (laughs) (laughs) You will be right. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. (laughs) This was like wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, (laughs) you, you were different. Like you were real different, bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.